Good morning. I'm going to start in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we know that there's a Sunday right after Easter, and we're still trying to fully comprehend what the resurrection means and the hope that we have through the resurrection. And so today, as we look at 1 Thessalonians, and we look at recalibrating when our plans change, when God changes our plans for us, God, allow us to see what it says in your word, the, the things that we can find hope in and where our hope is found in Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask that you would guide our time together today, that you would give us opportunity to see what it says in your word and be encouraged by that. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm John Mueller, the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like to welcome you here to our Sunday morning service online. Today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to start a new series called Recalibrating, when, when plans change. In our world right now, plans have changed. I don't think anyone would have, would have thought what's happening in the world right now would have happened just, just recently. And it's changing quickly and more abruptly than we would have liked. We can see this as an opportunity, though, to reach others and to encourage others. So if you have our app, click on the link at the top of the feed. You can find our YouVersion event there. And maybe today, since you're watching online, you can take one device, um, someone's phone, and then on another device, uh, watch us uh, during the sermon. Today, we're going to talk about life and death. And I think we all have questions about life and death. And when we're young, some of these questions might look like this. Like, when can I get married? Will I always live with you? Please, no. If you have kids, hopefully they will not always live with you. Where do people go when they die? Or what is it going to be like after we die? Will my dog go to heaven? I know there's a whole movie about that. Will I see my grandma and grandpa again? We grow up and some of these questions are answered and some of them aren't. We still have questions that we want answered, but we act as if all the questions are answered. We live informed lives because we have answers, but then we also have questions that have never been answered. Paul here in 1 Thessalonians is writing to the Thessalonians as they are asking questions, genuine questions about life and death. What happens when we die? What happens when Jesus comes back? What hope do we have for eternity? Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's my pause. See? Okay. This might be harder for editing, but I think it'll be better for flow. So, as long as the sun doesn't come out, right? So, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, wait, let me start over because I looked down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, but those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. I need to start that over again because I missed one word, and that's going to ruin the whole thing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, 
God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Thessalonians are recalculating their plans, and plans are changing quickly for them. They have a lot of questions that they need answers to. Paul, right before this, in the beginning of the chapter, speaks of what's pleasing to God. What, what in life is pleasing to God? He wrote this section that we're going through today to encourage them in their pursuit of God. He does two things right away. He reminds them of what they already know and believe. And we need to do that daily. We need to remind ourselves of what we know and believe about God. And then he expands on these truths to, that, that are earlier in the letter. They're in a confused state. The, the Thessalonians aren't sure what happens after death for those who put their faith in Jesus. Ignorance about God leads to confusion, frustration, and worry. We need to be informed about God. And so Paul does that here. The question the Thessalonians were asking is what happens to Christians when they die. They were preoccupied, as, as a people, the Thessalonians were preoccupied with what was going to happen when Jesus came back. What is going on in the world? And so Paul here gives them a response. In his response, he uses sleep as a euphemism for death. If we're following Jesus and find our hope in him, we won't grieve the same way as those without hope. So hope in Jesus doesn't ignore grief or pain. It doesn't ignore it. It's still there. It doesn't ignore it. But grief will always be a part of our lives on earth. But if we follow Jesus and find our hope in him, our grief is a little bit different. We need to change our plans now. We need to recalibrate how we relate to the world around us. We are a people of hope. Those who die with their faith in Jesus suffer no defeat because Jesus has won the victory. Death does not have the final word. We cannot forget that. We experience no final loss because we're going to be with Jesus. We're reunited with God in heaven. And it says here, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We are going to be with God. Hope in Jesus is focused on his death and resurrection. Hope in Jesus is focused on that. If, if Jesus died and rose again, we have a future hope. Without his sacrifice, we can stand before God forgiven. Nothing, nothing, nothing is bigger and better than what Jesus has done for us. Nothing. When Paul is confronted by Jesus in Acts 9, verse 5, Jesus says, I, I am Jesus who you were persecuting. Paul was persecuting Christians, murdering them, throwing them in jail. But Jesus is so united to those who believe in him that he takes it personal when you're persecuted. We need to remember that. This union, the closeness that we can have with Jesus is unifying. We are with him together. We are going to rise with him, it says here. Paraphrasing some authors Jesus, the death of Jesus, purchased our redemption. It purchased our redemption, but the resurrection proves our redemption. So the, the death of a follower of Jesus 
might, you might have grief for a time. It might be brief. But the resurrection of Jesus guarantees us hope for all eternity. We just, last week it was Easter, and we were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And now we're able to see that our, our hope is not just for the present, it's for the future. If it's not enough to read it here, verse 14, there's, in verse 14, there's multiple verses that describe this, that we have hope for all eternity. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Later in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 and 21 says, but in fact, Christ had been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. Remember sleep? Those who had fallen dead? For as a man came by death, by a, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. We can't forget that. And, and I think it's even more important in 2 Corinthians 4.14, where it says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us also, with Jesus, and bring us with you into his presence. Which leads to my next point. Hope in Jesus is focused on his presence. Our hope is found because we want to be present with Jesus. He's present with us as we are followers of him. In verse 15, it says, coming of the Lord. It talks about the Lord coming. This word for coming actually means presence that we will be found in the presence of Jesus Christ. The, the Romans and the Greeks of this time used the word to describe the arrival of a dignitary. This, this verse 15 right here, it describes Jesus coming back to Thessalonica, the, the, the city that this letter was written to, the church there, in the future. And it will be like the coming of Caesar. It'll be the coming of the emperor. It'll be the greatest rally you've ever seen and in our case, it might be the president, or in the Middle Ages, it was the Pope. When Jesus comes, we'll be in his presence. There'll be celebration, there'll be excitement. When Jesus right now is present in heaven, he will be present with us when he comes back. We are in the completely started, completely inaugurated, completely uh, complete <laughs> kingdom of Jesus. But yet it's not completely fulfilled. To be absent from this life is to be present with Jesus. I've heard that my whole life. And in this passage, puts that in the context of when Jesus is coming back. It's for the, those who have faith and put their trust in Jesus Christ. So who in your life needs to hear this message? Who right now do you need to share this message with? Who do you need to share on social media or YouTube or send a link to? Because we are struggling with these life or death questions. So who's been struggling with them? And maybe you're struggling with them. Have you? Have you been struggling with this? Who in your life, maybe it's you, are avoiding the inevitability of death? We, we are finite. We're limited in our understanding of the world, but we're also limited in our, in our lifetime. We have a limited life cycle. And in, in inevitability of death is true for all of us for each one of us, no matter how young you are, how old you are. And so we need to be ready for when Jesus is coming back. That's why I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. 1 
pausing and going, sorry, can I, that's, that's like the longest section. That's like three quarters of a sermon, it feels like. It's not, but time-wise, how long was that? I'm at 12 minutes, great. Okay. See, this is so weird. It's so weird doing it this way. All right. Do you want me to start with continue with me or just the passage? First Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It is important as we read this to know that we can get lost in trying to interpret things here that would lead to speculation. So today I'm going to focus on what is clear and what is most important. And I would encourage you to do that with me as we look at verse 16 through 18. What is most important here is that hope in Jesus is consistent in life and death. It's consistent whether we're alive. It's consistent whether we go into the grave and are raised from the dead when Jesus comes again. We have a future hope. We have a secure hope. If you're feeling insecure in this time of change in our world, the, the security you want and long for can be found in Jesus. Jesus is coming again. I, I can't say this enough. 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament state he's coming back. That's pretty important. One out of every 30 verses in the entire New Testament talk about his coming or the events of the end times when he comes back. For every reference in the Bible to Jesus' first coming, when he was going to come and, and die on the cross, there are eight that point to his return. Think about that. That's, that's how much this matters, that Jesus is coming back victoriously, victoriously, and we need to be a part of his kingdom. We need to put our faith and trust in him. So every, think, think about this. This is so big. Every reference that talks about Jesus coming the first time, that he came, what we read about in the New Testament, there's eight more for when he comes again. That's how important this is. I can't emphasize it enough that, that there's these four images here in this passage that describe what will happen when he, we announce his return. And first, the sounds we will hear. It says, a cry of command, the archangel's voice, and the sound of a trumpet of God. This is a very public event. It's a loud entrance into the world. I always think of the moment in the Disney movie Aladdin when Aladdin becomes the prince. He, he gets his wish granted and he enters Agrabah. And the, the genie and all these people on, on elephants and he's got a million golden lamps and all these different things that he's got. He's got a thousand camels. Well, for everything that, that the prince has in Aladdin... Jesus has more. It's this almost this, this top that moment where Jesus here has more to offer us than any other ruler in all of eternity. We could be enticed by the world around us, drawn in to, to pursue other things, but we will never find something as valuable as Jesus Christ. 
here's some connections that we need to look at to the Old Testament that, that are about these sounds. It, it first is Psalms 47.5. It says, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord, the sound of a trumpet. The second is when God appears to Moses in Exodus 19. There were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. When God shows up, you will know. There will be no question when Jesus comes back that Jesus is back. We, we have to realize that there's going to be loud sounds. There's going to be a trumpet blast. This is a great picture of the magnificence of God, how great he is. The next part of the same verse in, in Exodus 19 says the people trembled. They were afraid because God appeared when they were not ready. When Jesus comes back, we shouldn't live in fear. We should be ready for that. And we should know what's coming. That's why we need to be informed, as Paul said in this passage. The second image we have here is these clouds. And there's many significant passages in the Bible that show this is a way that God appears. Exodus 16.10 describes God's glory appearing on a cloud. It just describes that there. In Psalms 104, verses 3 and 4, uses the cloud to describe the Lord's coming, just like this passage. Daniel 7, 13, describes the coming of the Son of Man on a cloud. When Jesus took that name as well, he was the Son of Man. So Jesus is coming back in the clouds. We will be surrounded by the presence of God. This is the fulfillment of the promise of God to his presence coming to his people. This picture of a cloud, it may not be a cloud, but it may look like a cloud because it'll be surrounding us. And then there's this third image. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's just meeting the Lord. The terms here used, like I said, was to describe a dignitary. And then what happens is you meet a dignitary and then you follow them into the city. Jesus will appear and gather his followers up in the air and they will come back with him to earth. We will go to meet him and he will come back with us. And this last image is one that we, we need to remember for all of our lives, for all eternity, that we will be forever with the Lord. We're going to be forever being with the Lord. It's, it's going to happen. This is the fulfillment of God's covenant with his people. This is the fulfillment of his promise. We need to remember that God promised that, that he will be our God and we will be his people. We need to keep our focus on what, what is true. That we will be with Jesus forever. It's not just now. It's not just temporarily. It's forever. So let us not lose sight of that. Despite being focused many times on what's right in front of us. Maybe right now you're focused on what is essential, what's not essential. You, you know, I, I think that may be something that we, we talk about for the coming months. But if we don't have an eternal focus, we're going to lose sight of what Jesus has told us here through Paul, that we need to have an eternal focus. And our expectation of what is coming should be an encouragement to us and to the people around us. So if we hope in Jesus, we will have the largest awe-filled 
family reunion that you've ever seen. It's the family reunion that you want to go to. Maybe you don't want to go to your family reunion. This is one you want to show up to. This is one that you want to wear the cheesy shirt to. This is the one that you really want to be at because it's so important. Because this is going to be the reunion that is for all of time. He's coming for his church. The dead in Christ, the ones that have died, will be raised to life. They're not going to miss it. We will be and should now be in awe of how Jesus is coming back. But there's something important here, and I think people make, make a, a big deal out of this, and actually they make, some people write books about it, but Paul is emphasizing the how of when Jesus is coming back, not the when. And so we can speculate, and we can think, oh, he's coming back at this time, or this, this event's happened, but the reality is he's focused on how Jesus is coming back. And so when you hear that trumpet blast, you know that Jesus is coming back. And you will know that. So there's no need to worry about when Jesus is coming back if our faith and our trust is in him. And so we need to remember that. Our ultimate desire should, to, should be to be with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. If you were here with us last week, you heard me say, hope is a certain expectation of a future event. And we talked about that, about the resurrection. But the reality is, that is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. That's why we need to recalibrate this week. We need to change. When, when our plans change, our plans have changed. But one thing that hasn't changed is the fact that Jesus is coming back for his church. We already are a part of the kingdom of God if we put our faith and our trust in him. But Jesus is coming back for his kingdom to be fully realized in the world. One of my favorite authors has some thoughts about hope that I, I really want to share with you. C.S. Lewis says that hope is one of the theological virtues. And this means just basically that virtues that are from God. This means that a continual looking forward at the eternal world is not, as some modern people have, have thought, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things the Christian is meant to do. So if you're following Jesus, what this means is we actually need to be focused on when Jesus is coming back again. He continues by saying, it does not mean that you are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world right now, were just those that thought the most of the next, thought the most of eternity. So is that going to be you? That's my question this week. Is that going to be you? Are you going to be the person that changes the world because of your hope for the next, for all eternity? Is that going to be you? Are you going to change the world now because of the future hope that you have? So what? So what are we going to do? Hope in Jesus does not ignore grief or pain, but is focused on his death and resurrection. We can't ignore the grief in the present life. We can't ignore the pain. In fact, we are to empathize and, and be with people that are grieving and are in pain. We grieve differently, though, because we, if we follow Jesus, have hope in Jesus for our eternal destiny. 
It's the difference between those that follow Jesus and those that don't. We live with a future hope to be realized when Jesus comes back. We grieve temporarily, but we hope eternally. Let me say that again. We grieve temporarily, but we hope eternally. That is something that we can't forget. This is all because we have a risen Savior that has come to inaugurate his kingdom and is coming back for those that follow him. Jesus was victorious over death and has complete authority for all eternity. And secondly, we, we, we can't forget that hope in Jesus is focused on his presence being consistent in life and death. Jesus will be with us in life and death as we put our faith and our trust in him. During this life, he's working in and through us. He is there when we gather together. He's there with you in your home right now. When he comes back, we will be present with him forever. We will think of this life as just a speck, a moment, in comparison to the time we'll be able to spend with him forever. Now, can you pray with me to think about this future hope and how God has given that to us today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask, God, give us an eternal focus. Help us to be able to change this world because we're so focused on the next and for all eternity. Help us to be able to focus on, on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that gives us a hope that cannot be taken away by anyone. Help us to be able to focus on when Jesus is coming back, that we'll hear the loud trumpet sound, we'll hear, see the clouds, we'll be able to meet him and be present with him for all eternity. If we don't have that hope today, Lord, we pray that if someone's watching and they need to put their faith and trust in Jesus, God, that you would do that today. That they would just be able to pray and repent of their sin, but also, Lord, they would receive forgiveness of sins that you have given us. So that as we follow you, we'll be with you for all eternity. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the hope we have. For the fact that our grief is different than the rest of the whole world because we hope for all eternity that we will be with you. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.